Welcome to Vikings Happy Hour, where we mix our favorite beverage and talk of your Minnesota Vikings. Hello, welcome back to another episode of Vikings Happy Hour. Tonight, I am joined by Nick Olson and Ryan Ortega. It's uh, it's week one, completely done for the NFL, and we are ready to put last week behind us, look forward to next week. We got a lot of stuff to cover in here, including some new segments that I, wa- I want to kind of try and incorporate. If they don't work, we'll scrap them, but hey, they might be fun, so maybe we'll keep some. Uh, Nick, thank you for coming on, and uh, how are you doing tonight? I'm good. I'm good. It's uh, it's uh, nice to look forward to another game. Get Sunday, uh, get the taste of Sunday out of your mouth a little bit. Um, uh, today was actually my first day going back in the office in like <laughs> 18 months, <laughs> so wow. that was an adjustment. Getting getting back. Well, actually, yesterday was my first day, but like still getting used to like being back in the office, no longer permanently working from home. So uh, it's, waking uh, it's, up, uh, making the commute. That kids in school, uh, summer ending to seasons are a changing. Yeah, how you been? Wow, <laughs> Ryan, how about yourself? How are you doing on this fine evening? Good, uh, just scrambled to get back in, in here in time for this. We had like a really fun adult stuff, you know, grocery shopping and uh, more grocery shopping, two stores, just awful. So, and then when you get back, you got to put it all away. So it's not a mess for you guys on the show here tonight. So, um, this beer is well, uh, welcomed here. I'm very excited for this beer. So, <laughs> you know what? Two things I want to say about that. Dave, our producer, uh, put a spin on the show. I guess it no longer has to be, uh, alcohol in order to have a Vikings happy <laughs> hour. You can, uh, whatever at your leisure, you can u- use whatever you want. But I did see Nick pull up a drink. Ryan, I know you have one. Uh, it's been a while since we've gone around and kind of chatted what people are drinking. So I will start and then I'll toss it to you guys. Let me know what you're having. Uh, I'm doing some Elijah Craig on the rocks tonight. Uh, it helped with the, the loss on Sunday when we were on uh, the final score, Dave, Jason, and I. And so I'm hoping it helps tonight as well as we as we continue to cope. <laughs> Nick, what were you s- sipping on there? This is uh, this uh, here's the beer. Let me get the glass or the bottle or the can. It's a local New Jersey beer. It's where I live. Uh, Tom's River at Wit's End. It's a uh, it's a wit with orange and coriander. Although those aren't super strong. Um, so I don't know. It's just kind of like an easy crushable um, wit beer. Little sweet, but not like coyingly so or like treacly so. So I don't know. It's a, it's a good drinkable beer. Uh, so it's the good. Can looks like cool. It. Yeah, that's yeah, cool stuff. You yeah, know. that sounds uh, delicious. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's good. Um, I, I'm still trying to get out of like get like get through the rest of my summer stock before I dip in. Like I was back at the. I bought beer at like I think August first was the last time I was at a liquor store. And all the Oktoberfest was already there, and I was like, "Oh man, I'm not ready for Oktoberfests yet." So I'm still clearing. That's out what it's summer, all about of summer shandies and everything. So yeah, yeah you got to switch over to the Oktoberfest, the the stouts and all that kind of fun stuff. Is, is I love fall that. Those, those are my favorites, but in yeah. well, it's still summer and like and warm out. I can't do it just yet. You want the light stuff? I, I feel you there, Ryan. Are I you typically angry? Inch? No, no angry inch tonight. I actually just finished my last 
crawler that I had in the in the fridge yesterday, so was not able to uh, go grab another one today. So I got a uh, Buena Vesa by Stone Brewery. It's like a um, salt and lime lager. So basically, think of like a Corona or Pacifico with the salt and lime already kind of infused in uh, by Stone Brewery. They make some good IPAs uh, down in San Diego, but. Um, yeah, to, to go to your point, Nick, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm all about these lighter beers, especially these like cerveza style, right? The, I know cerveza is just beer, but, you know, these Mexican style beers um, during the during the uh, summer. But and then once it starts turning winter, I start, slowly go from beer to liquor. So um, <laughs> that's when I started drinking a lot of bourbon, a lot of scotch stuff to keep me warm inside. There we go. I do. I should, Dave. I should upgrade to mini kegs. You're right, Dave. Are you drinking anything this evening? Absolutely. The question is, (laughs) when am I not? Um, Let's see. Tonight, I've got a hazy IPA made by Carbach, which is a brewery between here and uh, Houston. It's called Light Circus IPA. It's not bad for a light. Mm. It's a light IPA. It's not one of the heavier ones. What do we got for an ABV? We've got only an ABV style I can six. drink any day. No, it is. So, it's pleasant. The marketing on the marketing on those cans would work very well on me. Uh, I am very much a. If it looks cool, I'm going to buy it. So, Tom's River and what was what was yours again, Dave? Mine is Carbox Light Circus. I got it now. Hazy I'm IPA. ready to roll. All right. Well, we got that. I'm glad I went with my like my cool local craft microbrew, <laughs> not like a, <laughs> I was. I was about light. to pull up a Sam Adams, and I was like, I don't know. Are they going to judge me for being for being a little too macrobrewy here? So I'm glad I glad I went with like, the hipster with the hipster Never. one that, that nobody's heard of. <laughs> Sammy's makes good beer. Yeah, they do. I, I, I've actually, they're probably my favorite brewery um, just because they have like the, they're like, they, they are, they have like the, I guess the quality standards of like a macro brew. Like you don't have any like bad, I don't think Sam Adams makes bad beer, um, but they, they do, they get weird and they get seasonal and they do lots of different type, kinds of things. And they have their like sort of classics, but I like, I like a lot of like the, the limited releases they do too. So I like Sam Adams. I don't know if I've had a Sam Adams before. Oh, really? delicious. I'll have to try it out. I guess it's more of an East Coast brewery, so I'm not sure how how wide their distribution goes. But I think of them as like in every. No, they're national. Yeah, they're, they're they're big. Yeah. Okay. Next time I'm at the store, I'll get some and I'll I'll try it. It's good. Won't be too hard. Um, well, transitioning from from the the beverages we drink to drown our sorrows to <laughs> just. It's good to talk about our feelings as well instead of just drowning them. Uh, you sound so like me talking let, to my daughter right now. <laughs> <laughs> so let's uh, express let's, your feelings. Don't bottle them up. It will bring her on. Let's let's chat. Maybe she can help us cope <laughs> through our, our feelings right now. She's, uh, she's three, so. <laughs> hey, they speak the truth, right? <laughs> they do. Yeah. They speak uh, the truth. Well, let's let's talk about last week. Um, I think, by everyone's account on here, it was probably disappointing to say the least. Um, but I think there were some good things that we probably could take out of this game as well. Um, I know Nick, you said you've you've kind of started to watch the film a little bit. I haven't gotten to it, other than my initial 
watch of the game. Uh, what were some of your takeaways after watching uh, game one? Yeah, there were a lot of interesting things, some things pretty disappointing. The game itself was kind of painful to watch because, like, it got out to, like, a really sloppy start with all those penalties at the front. Um, they were moving the ball despite those penalties, which was encouraging. But then, um, you know, the drive started stalling. The defense came out strong. But then all of a sudden, like, the Bengals went down, marched down the field three touchdowns in a row. And it's, it's like... It went from like, oh, man, we're, we're going to lose to the Bengals, aren't we? <laughs> and, but then they clawed their way back. Um, and uh, credit to the Vikings for finding a way to, like, like twist the knife twice. There was, there was, like, the initial grief of we're going to lose to the Bengals and then, like, an overtime comeback. Like, holy crap, can't believe Greg Joseph made that kick <laughs> 53 yards career long to, to oh, my gosh, we're going to win this to, you know, a fumble. Like, like I never would have thought, like, that that when we were down, you know, like, two and a half scores or whatever, that, that this would come down to an uh, overtime heartbreaker. Um, but the Vikings found a way to get me to, to have both kinds of grief in one game. So credit to the Vikings for that. <laughs> as far as like football analysis, like things that came away with, Michael Pierce is really, really good. He had like um, like a prime Linvault kind of game. Like we haven't seen a big man like that. In, in, in quite some time, um, you know, he was, he could, doesn't quite have Linval's speed, like, you know, on like outside zone, um, he's not necessarily going to be able to chase down from behind um, every time he'll be in there, but he's not, he, you know, Linval is just like a freak in terms of like being able to move as fast as he could for his size. But man, the strength, he, he could just like hold guys up fully extended. The strength is insane. And he also is like insanely quick. I like, I know we heard in camp, like he's Andre Patterson was like, he surprised me with his pass rush moves. And, like, that dude is, is quick for, like, somebody who's 340-plus pounds or something. Um, so, like, he swum, he, he swam over um, the center to get to get one of his sacks. So, like, one one was, like, a really nice bull rush, which, like, you know, obviously, you know, you, your nose tackles should be able to, to, to bull rush guys. But he's got some, like, pass rush moves, too. So was really impressed by Michael Pierce. The other big free agent signing, Patrick Peterson, was also really impressed with him. Um, his run defense was a little shaky at times. He kind of got pushed around a little bit in the run game, um, got got driven off the ball a little bit. But I mean, it wasn't terrible or anything. But like in coverage, he was um, he was pretty flawless. I thought uh, it was kind of his the guy he was matched up against in the assignments he was given. He kind of did what he was told and didn't really screw up. He wasn't really tested as much um, necessarily, but like they weren't targeting him all game. And I I wanted to wait until I saw the all twenty two to figure out. Is, is that because <laughs> Breland was just bad or was it because uh, uh, he was locking down his, his side? And, and he was. And, um, you know, as much as Peterson struggled last year, last year he was the fifth least targeted cornerback in the NFL. Um, so for all his struggles, um, he was like quarterbacks just don't didn't go after him when they did like bad things happened, But he didn't get targeted a lot. And I think that might be the case going forward this year, too, is like. He's just not going to get targeted a lot. So that means Breland has to bounce back because in terms of bad Breland, I don't, I think he's got the yips. He's not playing with confidence that, that, that deep ball he gave up, I think to T Higgins um, was just like, he just let the guy run past him, um, which is like, it's one thing if Tyreek Hill's doing that to you in the preseason, it's another thing if it's T Higgins. Um, so that was, I think it was concerning. Jamar Chase either way though. I mean, just, you shouldn't oh, yeah, be yeah. letting either of those guys run by you. Yeah, so, uh, um, yeah, Breland was, I mean, it wasn't all bad. It wasn't like the worst game I've seen from a cornerback, but it was definitely, um, for Vikings cornerbacks recently, it was up there. 
Um, the offensive line, I thought Rashad Hill was was like, um, <laughs> I don't want to I don't want to like oversell how bad he was because he wasn't T.J. Clemmings bad. He was like Matt Khalil bad. Like like we've this is going to be tough if, we, if this is what we're going to be we're dealing with. Like he had a cut block where he just kind of like. I don't know what he was. He was like, he just sort of lumbered forward and fell over. And it's like, what are, <laughs> what are we paying you for, man? Um, yeah. And his, his past sets are just like, he, he, he won't get to his spot or he'll like lumber out there. He'll cross his feet over. It's like ugly stuff. So um, yeah, I mean, the whole offensive line was not inspiring, especially um, the, the run blocking, um, you know, Dalvin kind of didn't have much anywhere to go. And part of that is because the Bengals defensive line is just, they're good run stuffers. Um, but yeah, that was, that was depressing. Um, I'll go quickly. A couple other thoughts. Daniil Hunter, I thought was a little disappointing. He was fine. Um, same thing with Justin Jefferson, a little disappointing, but you know, the, if, if the Vikings are going to be a good team, those guys are there supposed to be their best players they need to be playing better than they did on Sunday. It's they, they weren't like, they didn't have a bad game. You know, if like if KJ Osborne went out and had the game that Justin Jefferson had, I think we'd all be pretty excited about it, but because we're holding him to a higher standard. Um, it, it's a little different. Speaking of KJ Osborne, he was really impressive. I, I thought he looked good in his releases. He looked good, really good after the catch. Um, special teams, all like everything was like, was like Jordan Berry had great punts. Um, you know, obviously we talked about the, the, the kicks and then like Harrison hand had a couple really impressive, um, plays as, as, as a gunner. Um, so, uh, all around, like that was, that was a surprise because that was one thing that I was really worried about, but yeah, I mean, overall, obviously the team didn't, didn't quite play well enough to win. Um, but you know, in overtime loss is a little different than, you know, losing by multiple scores in, in regulation. So, um, there were some silver lines to take away. I do think the guys who struggled like Breland will bounce back. I do think the superstars like Hunter Jefferson uh, will, will shake off the rust and get going. And hopefully the guys who played well like Pierce Peterson, um, KJ Osborne will keep that going. Yeah, I mean, when I, I agree with you completely. And when we think about, you know, the playmakers, like you said, like a Daniil Hunter, like a Dalvin Cook, you are paying those guys to to step up in those those lulls throughout the game, um, and we and we didn't really see that, unfortunately. Uh, and you, but, hey, you know who else you're paying to step up in those lulls is the I, quarterback. I've made a decision. <laughs> this show will will not tolerate Kirk slander tonight because I think it happens every show. And I <laughs> no, we're gonna. I'm sorry, to I did not else. agree to that before the show. I did not agree to that before the show. <laughs> and not again. It's not to say he played bad, but like Nick, you're saying Jefferson could have had a better game, and I agree, he definitely could have. But I mean, there is multiple to- chances where Kirk has him open and throws behind him, or throws where he's at and not where he's going to be, and uh, and ended up being you know getting a hand on the ball. So it looks like Jefferson should have had it, but. I mean, he has to slow way down. He has to, you know, now you're inviting the cornerback to come and make the play on the ball. And we, and again, you're not going to be perfect as a quarterback. I'm not trying to sit here and slander Kirk, but you have to put, you know, you have to make the plays when they're available, especially for as accurate of a quarterback as you are. You can't be missing those type of throws. And uh, again, that was a little disappointing to see. Real, you know, one of the last comment I'll say on the game, and we can move on is I, I do like the fact that you know we did claw back into the game. We do also have to thank Zach Taylor for that too because he made that idiotic fourth and one call in his own side of the field to go for the you know go for fourth and one and I mean sure the way Joe Mixon was running that day, you know, maybe you do go for it and but 
you have a 14 point lead. You do not need to take that risk. You know, end of the third quarter, punt that ball away, pin us back, and 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 force us to drive down the field on the defense that you are dominating us with because that defense was good. I was on that sh- this show last week with Tanishka, and I told you guys we need to watch out for you this defensive that line. D-line. Yeah, you did. And and you guys were not you guys, but you know, I you know, it was said that maybe the D line's not that good. I'm like, yeah, they don't have big flashy names, but you know, DJ, uh, Reader is a heck of a nose tackle, and uh, um, Ogan Joby, I think that's how you say his name. Um, he he played well in Cleveland in his you know so far in his career, and he showed that he was worth every penny that he signed uh, with uh, with Cincinnati for because he, he wrecked us. You know, both of those guys really did. So, um, but, you know, to, to next point, you know, there was some positives to take from the game. My, I think my favorite positive was Michael Pierce. Um, he showed that we don't have to take him to, off the field if we don't need to, or if we don't want to, he can, he can, you know, play any, any down he can he can run uh, you know you know rush the passer he can be there as a, a run stuffer I was a little disappointed in our run defense I was worried for my fantasy teams because I have Joe Mixon and pretty much every one of them and I was like all right this is gonna chalk this up to like a bad game for him because we got Tomlinson Pierce Hunter's back and he he ran for like 128 I think 124 so I mean that's not a great uh, rush defense so far so hopefully they pick it up I'm not too oh, I'm not gonna like be sounding the alarm but there is definitely some good things with Pierce uh, KJ Osborne uh, the only other disappointment that I didn't really hear Nick say was Harrison Smith um, I felt like he had just a blah game he, he didn't make any big big mistakes I think he did overplay that last fourth and one to put them in field goal position. I think that was his responsibility, that tight end. I believe, again, I don't know what play was called, so I'm not going to put that on him for sure, but it looked like that was his guy and he overplayed the run. Um, And uh, and then I just remember another just like missed tackle where uh, it was one of those where Mixon broke like two tackles in a row. And one of them was, I think, Hunter – which Hunter was like behind him, so whatever he he like kind of fought through the the leg tackle, but and then Harrison Smith was right there and he just pushed him aside essentially and kept going. Very unlike Harrison Smith, so hopefully you know those guys pick it back up, and and I'm very confident they will, just like Nick said. One quick comment on the defensive line because I do agree with you that I felt like they underperformed given maybe our expectations for what we thought. Um, I will say. If I remember correctly, a lot of it was just like outside runs. Like I know they mentioned it in the in the broadcast as well, but Mixon was really beating us in the C gap more than anything. Uh, in the trenches, uh, you know, with your with your Michael Pierce, with your Dalvin Tomlinson, like inside there, I don't think Mixon really beat us up too much. I'd have to I'd have to go back and look. I'm just speaking out of my ass here a little bit, but um, I do believe it's it was more outside. In um, also. Another point, I did think Breland played pretty good run defense. Um, He did miss a a pretty big open field tackle, but he came blazing in the backfield for one play, I remember, Um, and that really stood out to me. And then obviously the crucial fourth and one, uh, he was able to kind of keep Joe Mixon behind that line. Um, Did you have something to say, Nick? Yeah, run defense was kind of – there were some that were really good. Like I thought Tomlinson was good. I thought Pierce was like, had an elite game. Um, Hunter was good in run defense. Um, but like, <laughs> and, and Kendrick's made some flashy plays in run defense too. Um, wasn't perfect, but 
I, I thought he was good, but like it was immediately evident when the backups came up on the field because it was such a dramatic downgrade from um, from from Pierce and Tomlinson a run defense to, to Sheldon Richardson, who's never cared too much about about run defense. <laughs> Um, or uh, or Watts, who are like supposed. I mean, we, we we heard they were really good in camp, so maybe they bounce back, or maybe that's just them playing against the Vikings' backup offensive linemen. <laughs> but um, or, or like Wanham, Wanham was like like Michael Pierce was as good as Michael Pierce was. Wanham was just as bad, so <laughs> probably worse. Wanham was had some really ugly tape on there, getting blocked by like not just tight ends but wide wide receivers. Like, like dude, you're a defensive end, you shouldn't be getting washed down by um, by White. So. I, th- I think, um, you know, the run defense, it was fine. Like, I think, like, Mixon had a lot of carries, but in terms of efficiency, it was, like, maybe 4.3 yards per carry. They were just feeding him a lot. So, um, and, and when you focus on the starters, I think it was actually pretty good. But um, I don't know. They were finding ways to move the ball. They were being, you know, efficient. They were they were getting explosives. That was the thing that really killed us, and that's the thing that you don't usually see from Zimmer's defenses. You, you don't normally have defenses that give up, you know, like 50-yard rushes or 70-yard bombs. So um, got to clean that up, obviously. Those will kill you. So um, I think um, – I, and I, I think they will. Like Zimmer's, you know, he, he fixes things on defense. He doesn't, like, let things keep going. But got to make sure Breland bounces back. Hey, real quick, Matt, before we move on to the next uh, part of the show here, Ray, Raymond Fry, he uh, asked me a question in the comments that I figure I should. And this is going to be the last you feel negative, obligated. I guess, thing that I'm going to say about Kirk. Kirk again, Cousins. For, for the <laughs> most part, he had quarterback it, this week. He had a decent game. I'm not going to sit here and say you didn't, but the question is, is Kirk drove us down to kick a field goal at the end of regulation and at overtime, you know, QBs have bad games. Look at Rogers last game. What more do you want him to do? He drove him to win. My issue is we are playing a team that was a top five pick and sure. They got their quarterback back this year and they added a top five player receiver. And I think they spent a decent amount of money in the off season on that defense, but that defense was quite bad last year. And you have a quarterback that we're paying, he's counting 25 or 35 million against the cap this year. And he has the weapons he has. He has the running game that he needs. And sure, he doesn't have the most elite offensive line, but we've invested a lot in that offensive line to make it better for him, right? And we are down 14 points to the Bengals. That's my issue is we shouldn't have got to a point. Like, yeah, you're right. He, he, you know, he led a 14 point comeback. We did get back into the game. We did bring it to overtime. We, he did drive down the field to get us into position before the, you know, the fumble, whatever, if you want to consider that a fumble, um, he did, he did all the right things. You're right. That, that, but my issue is, is, you know, you shouldn't get to a point where you're down 14 points to the Bengals. I get it if this chiefs, I get it. If, you know, we play the Browns in a couple weeks, they're going to be a tough team to play. Um, and, and some of these other elite teams that we're going to be playing this year, I get it. But the Bengals, we shouldn't be getting down like that. We shouldn't have the offense having what five false starts in the first half. Like we shouldn't be having these issues with a tenured quarterback at the helm. And that's my issue is again, he played fine. He dinked and dunked his way to a good stat line and kept his completion percentage up and made sure he had a nice, sexy PFF score. But None of that matters when we're losing to the Bengals and we end up losing the game. 
And that's my issue is if, if I, I just that that's my only thing I'll say is, you know, he had a fine game. He didn't do enough to get us to win, though. And that's just what it is. Do you feel good now? I, I just answer the question. We got to get these. We got to get these show. You know, the fans of hey, the show here to involve. You know, I love. I talked, love that they're commenting. That's we talked question. about expressing emotion, and I'm glad that you were able to to feel comfortable enough to vent that. So, uh, but let's shift <laughs> gears. Let's 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 move along to to this week's game versus the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, I feel like a lot of fans are a little reserved now. Good question. Uh, going going in there um do you want to answer that question nick yeah i think part of it was just how many like how often like we were penalized and the the, the Bengals were able to just sort of sit on top of routes and cap routes and and not allow keep everything in front of them keep keep you know two safeties back or drop everybody into coverage um so guys i was surprised at actually how often like Thielen and jefferson weren't getting open um, when I watch the all 22, like, cause I expect them to be open all the time. And I, I don't really think they, they did that well. And I think it was largely due to the down distance where they were behind the sticks, even on first down. <laughs> I think I saw Arif like mention Arif Hassan at the athletic mentioned that like their average down in distance to go was like over 10 yards, <laughs> which is like, that's just absurd. If you just, if you just start the game, you're, 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 you know, you, you start out with first and 10. So that's like the average behind that is, is, speaks to like just how how much the penalties killed them so um i do think it was kind of a weird result of all the penalties which some of them i thought were pretty bs i thought bradbury's holding call pretty pancaked reader was it didn't look at anything at all like a holding call i thought the cj ham fall start to start the game off like i don't i don't even think he moved so i, th- I think that that was the linebackers getting in there like they, they, they just stood up and pointed and the reps took the bait so um i don't know i nobody's actually Nobody likes it when, like, you go out and you say, like, the refs sucked and the refs are the reason we lost. And I'm not saying that. But I will say I do think home field advantage slash the refs played a big role in this game going the way that it did. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I was expecting Jefferson and Thielen to feast against Awuzier and um, Eli Apple. Um, but just because of the down and distance, they were kind of able to, to cheat a little bit and force Cousins into dinking and dunking, which he did efficiently. But, it, you know, ultimately, I don't think it was enough. And I mean, and, and I think Kirk even had the comment today in the presser that, uh, you know, due to the, you know, due to the penalties that it did uh, allow them to do that. And but one comment uh, when he said that, it kind of bothered me because he said, I mean, again, I'm not going to it's not verbatim, but he essentially said something to the matter of um, a lot of tight throws. I'd have to make a lot of tight throws. It's like, dude, you got two of the best receivers in the league that are paid to catch that ball and win 50, 50 battles. And they both have proven to do that well over their careers so far. You, especially when we're down in distance and we have nothing else really to do. I, I would much rather take le- five less yards, dumping it off to CJ ham and try to throw a 15 yard on a third and 14 to Jefferson, who's blanketed and give him a chance to make the play. I mean, that's me personally, and yeah. I know field position makes a difference, and you don't want to throw picks. I mean, I get it, but, you know, worry a little less about your completion percentage and, and being second in the NFL history in completion percentage and worry more about trying to do your job in, in terms of, you know, getting first downs and, and scoring. So, um, and sometimes I just feel like he's more focused. He's a perfectionist. He's more focused on 
finding the most open guy versus finding the guy that can get us where we need to be. But that may be I, I digress. I, I, and it definitely could be. I, You're right. Could be the way he's there going. Was a, there was a sideline fade shot to Jefferson that 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 Kirk threw. I think they were backed up um, near their own goal yeah. line. Um, and it was like a really perfect pass. And Jefferson ran a good route. And I think it was a woozy in coverage. Just like made a beautiful pass deflection. And it was killer yeah. because like – it was a, it was it was a great play. I'm glad Cousins took that shot, but she knew as soon as it wasn't completed, like that was they weren't going to go back to it. And that's what's you know coming. You're thinking about like the Cardinals. One of the things that makes Kyler so dangerous is like you know they got backed up on their first drive to that game, and like Kyler just kept coming back and chucking it deep to to uh, throwing it down the field because he's just got the arm talent and the aggression to do that. Whereas like Cousins is like, oh, we we took the shot, we we did the play action, and it didn't work out. So now we're going to run on second and 15. Now we're going to, now we're going to dink and dunk. We're going to throw a little stick route to the tight end for five yards. It's like, um, you know, you're not going to move down the field if you settle for like layups when you start to, you need, you need to start swinging for the fences. I'm mixing my metaphors across three different sports, but <laughs> you get what I mean. I love it. I mean, and that's you, what the great quarterbacks do though. I mean, you watch Tom Brady, you watch Patrick Mahomes, yeah. Russell Wilson. I mean, they're going to take those aggressive shots and that's part of what makes them great. And some, and even Favre, Favre was like that. Sure, he threw his good amount of interceptions, but he also threw a hell of a lot of touchdowns and won a hell of a lot of games, including a Super Bowl. So, you know, obviously it's not always going to work, and sometimes we're going to be like, oh, son of a gun. But, you know, other times we're going to be like, that's a hell of a throw. I respect you for making that throw because I probably wouldn't have in Madden, but you just did it in real life, and that's great. You know what I mean? Like, it's, Yeah. You guys mentioned uh, Kyler Murray in one of those quarterbacks who will make those tight throws, those crazy throws, right? Almost Patrick Mahomes-esque. Um, so attempting to, to move this in the direction of this week's game, uh, what do you guys think about the Vikings' defensive backs versus the, the wide receivers for the Arizona Cardinals? I mean, they're pretty, they're pretty stacked uh, talent-wise along the offense uh, when you think about Christian Kirk, when you think about DeAndre Hopkins. And I'm not ready to, to write off A.J. Green quite yet, right? I mean, he could he could play a pivotal role as wide receiver three over there. Um, and then you have to contain Kyler Murray himself. Uh, yep, good, good uh, image there on the screen by Dave Rondell Moore, a rookie. So there's a lot of weapons to defend this weekend and it's not going to get any easier nick i know you said patrick peterson had a good game you're thinking breland can maybe get out of that game one funk but are you worried about that battle this weekend yeah i definitely am i think there's a couple things that i makes this matchup i think pretty tough for our cornerbacks the first is i think breland and peterson are both really good cornerbacks when they can keep things in front of them but they both have lost a step now that they're later in their career. Breland was never fast coming out. Peterson was was once one of the fastest guys uh, in the NFL and now has lost a bit of a step. I thought he looked fast on on Sunday, but they, he wasn't really tested. But, but you know, Rondell Moore, Christian Kirk, these are guys who are going to go vertical. Um, and if you let them get past you, you're not going to win that foot race. So um, that's a tough matchup. Um, you know, we saw it with Tyreek Hill in the preseason. You know, these are guys that are, you know, if, you, if, it's a, if it's a foot race, these are, the, you know, they're not even going to be able to contest it. They're just going to be looking straight behind them. Same thing with that deep shot to Jamar Chase. So um, that's a tough matchup. I also think, um, you know, they're, they're both physical guys, but like DeAndre Hopkins is like, um, 
he, he'll, he's just such a bully in his routes and like prime Patrick Peterson would have been a great, you know, shadow for, I think Deandre Hopkins. But now that he's like slimmed down from like 220 pounds coming out to like 180 pounds, um, he mentioned that he slimmed down because he wants to, you know, keep his speed. And, and one of his ways to do that is to slim down and lose some of the, some of the weight. So, um, but that, that, you know, you, you saw Peterson get pushed around a little bit, um, on Sunday, like in, in run games or coming off blocks or whatever. So I think that makes DeAndre Hopkins a tough matchup for them too. So, and then you compound all of that on top of the fact that they're going to be dealing with Kyler Murray, who's, you know, scrambling around like a chicken with his head cut off in the backfield, making plays, making something out of nothing, rolling out of the pocket, extending plays forever, forever, forever. Um, and it's like unorthodox. It's kind of like reminds me of Deshaun Watson a little bit, or it's like, you're not supposed to do that kind of, but at the same, like he'll, he'll get the drop back and just like, <laughs> when I play Madden, I'll just like keep running backwards sometimes, like Kyler Murray does that, where I'll just like <laughs> keep backing up, backing up, backing up, backing up, and like till he's like 15 yards in the backfield. But it buys him time, and then he'll just chuck something downfield. He did that. Uh, he did that on Sunday. So um, that playmaking combined with with cornerbacks who who can't exactly run is is a is a frightening prospect. So I do think that's definitely strong advantage. Cardinals Zimmer will have his work cut out for him with that. I think his ability to, I mean, we saw that clip last week, right, where he scrambled in the pocket, and he just stops on a dime, and the defensive lineman just flies in front of him. It it looked video game-esque, like the animations of him just like literally putting the brakes on and then just doing whatever the hell he wants after that. It's going to be a crucial game for, I mean, we talked about being disciplined last week when it came to penalties, but it's going to be a different type of discipline this week when it comes to making sure that that we contain Kyler Murray in the pocket. And even Zimmer alluded to it today, right? He goes, to think that we're going to contain Kyler Murray for a whole game, that's just not reasonable. Like, he's just too gifted, and he's most likely going to escape the pocket at some point or yeah. another. And so we need to be good on the back end, to your point, um, kind of stopping these top threats. Uh Ryan, anything on the defensive side that you that you have concerns about or you want to talk about? Or do you want to talk about the matchup that no one's looking forward to, which is Chandler Jones versus Rashad Hill? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Nick covered it pretty well in terms of just, you know, that that uh, defensive back – or, I'm sorry, our, our uh, secondary is going to be in for, uh, for a day. But also, um, you know, one thing that typically does um, – give us a lot of trouble too, or receiving backs and they have chase Edmonds there too. And he's a good sneaky receiving back that nobody really talks about because they've always had, he's always just kind of a second fiddle kind of guy to, you know, Kenyon Drake and David Johnson, but he's a, he's a shifty guy that can get out of that backfield and catch some balls and put our, uh, linebackers and uh, and cornerbacks into kind of these one on one situations where they they have to tackle him in open space and he's pretty tough to get down. So you know, compound all that again, like you guys said with Kyler Murray. Uh, you know my love for Kyler Murray, uh, Oklahoma quarterback. So um, I, I've I've been wanting for I was I wanted to go to this game live and I wasn't able to make it work, but. Um, I was excited to watch him play. We struggle, always struggle against um, um, 
athletic, you know, scrambling type quarterbacks, Russell Wilson's, you know, comes to mind. Yep. And um, hopefully Zimmer can figure it out because he hasn't really up to this point, even with like a Josh Allen, uh, the, that rookie year, he scrambled all over us and beat us. Um, so I hope that we can figure out a way to contain him, but not too much because I got him in a lot of fancy leagues as well. Uh, going to the Chandler Jones. Yeah, I mean, I, I am deathly afraid for Rashad Hill's life. Um, because he, uh, he's going to get exposed. But I mean, we thought that Trey Hendrickson was uh, eating him up. Chandler Jones just took a uh, former Pro Bowl, Taylor Luan, and, uh, you know, <laughs> made him look like a fool of uh, five sacks last week. So um, I, I'm not going to sit here and say he's going to have five sacks again because I'm assuming Zimmer or hopefully Clint Kubiak smart enough to, you know, provide some chip help with some, you know, tight ends and, Heck, maybe even completely shift your defensive line. But on the other side, you got JJ Watt over there, and uh, you have to, you know, be able to contain him too. So, you know, they are uh, they are a team that can get after the passer. Um, I mean, not, and it's not just Chandler Jones and JJ Watt. I mean, they they've invested uh, early picks into linebackers the last two years. Xavier, uh, uh, or was it no? Um, what's his name uh, from Tulsa? Uh, why am I drawing a blank? Um, Anyway, they, they just drafted a linebacker who is a, a spitting image of Anthony Barr, who uh, can be able to you know get after the passer and you know play some good pass defense. Um, uh, Collins, Xavier Collins, that's who it is. Sorry. Um, and uh, who's the? And then they they took that kid out of Clemson two years ago, Isaiah Simmons. So I mean, they got some defensive weapons that uh, is going to give our defensive line some fits. We got to be able to, or I'm sorry, our offensive line some fits. So we really got to be able to you know, communicate well. Hopefully we can mitigate some of these down in distance by, you know, not false starting and not, uh, you know, cheating too much on the line. So we get uh, illegal formation calls and things like that. Uh, but it, we're in for a tough day. And if Kirk does not move well in the pocket and, and navigate that, even just the pocket, I'm not saying you have to scramble out of it only when you need to, but even just navigating through the pocket, he did that horribly last week, which caused again, put us in situations where pressures happen or sacks happen. If he can kind of manipulate the pocket a little bit and give him some, some space for what they're blocking for, hopefully we can, um, you know, uh, create a, a passing attack that's maybe more dink and dunk or quick, quick throws so we can mitigate some of the pass rush. I want to answer two questions in the chat, and then I want to uh, ask a question to Nick. Uh, I see Christian Derrissaw's name coming up in the chat. I believe he practiced partially today. Um, but I don't know if the expectation is that he's actually going to be active for Sunday's game. Um, so stay tuned on that. As far as Anthony Barr, he did not practice this week. Um, they're just kind of taking it day by day, and all we know is it's it still has to do with that that knee injury. So every day is a new day, and uh, he'd be uh, to have out there if we can. Did my internet just go out? No, you're good. good? We hear you. All right. Uh, the question I have for Nick, we talked about the defensive line versus our offensive line. Um, we know it's probably going to be bad, but I'm putting you on the spot here. What can the Vikings offensive line do or the Vikings offense as a whole do to kind of mitigate some of the pressure that's going to be brought by this Arizona defense? Yeah, it's interesting. And, and the Cardinals, it's still that Vance Joseph defense. You know, we, we, we saw Patrick Peterson struggle in it last year. It's still they want to press you. They want to play cover one. They want to play man coverage across the board. 
um, and they want the pass rush to get home before you, you get a chance to get the receivers into the route too much. Um, so that they want to load up the box. They want to crowd the line of scrimmage. Um, it's very aggressive. Um, and it's kind of the opposite of what we saw from the Bengals last week, where Bengals were like saying, you know, we'll let you dink and dunk. We'll let you like, you know, die. You know, if you're going to do the death by a thousand paper cuts, we'll live with that because we don't want the explosive Dalvin Cook runs. We don't want the bombs to Justin Jefferson off the play action in the boots. Cardinals are the opposite. You know, they they want to attack you. They'll They'll press you at the line of scrimmage. And if they whiff one of those presses, then somebody's streaking downfield wide open. So um, I, I, I think the problem is, you know, do you want to do a do a play action seven step drop back when when Chandler Jones and J.J. Watt can either run through Rashad Hill or <laughs> just run around him? So and, and that's tough. Um, I do think, you know, Brian O'Neill is good and I think you can rely on him and you can always give um, Rashad Hill help. You can have, you know, Conklin or Herndon probably. Herndon's probably the better blocker chip. Um, or you can, you know, get the back involved in protection as well. Um, I, I think this would probably be a good game for boots. Um, I mean, they're, they're less effective against man coverage, but that's one way to, you know, uh, take like the edge defender out of the play is just sort of like boot away from him. Um, and I, I think, you know, that there are ways you can help your pass protection. I do think though, like one thing the Vikings like to do when they're trying to get the ball out, but without like, um, you know, killing themselves is, is if Thielen is one-on-one versus press coverage, or if Justin Jefferson is one-on-one versus press coverage, they'll throw him a fade off a three-step drop, just in timing, in rhythm, just like chuck it up, um, you know, and just trust that, that Thielen, Thielen's got one of the best releases in the NFL. Jefferson's probably right up there after, based on what we saw last year. Um, you know, they, they'll trust him to win downfield. And and I do think this is the sort of game where that might be where they want to go because you don't necessarily want to do like, you know, have a three-second drop back so guys have the time to do those explosive routes downfield because you maybe won't have time for that, but maybe you can get off, like, deep some deep passes without necessarily asking your guys to do, you know, hold up for forever and pass protection because I think it's going to be, like, Rashad Hill is a backup caliber player, and when you're putting him up against Chandler Jones, who, um, you know, Chandler Jones has been one of the best pass rushers in a while. I'm glad he had this five-sack game to remind everybody how good he is because he's been, like, a blue-chip guy for forever. Um, uh that that's just a matchup nightmare. So yeah, they're whether it's getting rid of the ball quickly, whether it's um, trying to find ways to get the ball downfield, whether it's trying to do the opposite of last week and, and instead of dink and dunk, go for the explosives. Whether it's rollouts, play action, chipping. Um, there's a lot of different ways they can scheme it up. Will be interesting to see how exactly they want to go about it. Do you and, think and the, the worst part game? of their defense, their worst part of the part of their defense is the their cornerbacks. I mean, they don't yeah. have good corners. So, I mean, I think no. Byron, uh, I forget his uh, last name, but um, he's he's their best corner. Byron Murphy uh, out of Washington, he's their best cornerback, and I think he's a slot corner. So, like, he's they don't have great corners. So we do. Um, to next point, I think if we can, you know, um, try to expose our great route running because. Not, it's not only just those two guys, but KJ Osborne's clearly, you know, made route running a priority in the offseason, and DD yeah. Westbrook's yeah. always been good at creating separation. So if we can get these guys open and Kirk's willing to, you know, make those risky passes um, and give his guys a chance, you know, we we can mitigate that pass rush for sure. Is this a game a where the screen on... screen passes oh, sorry, could play a factor? <laughs> I just wanted to quickly address Bradbury's anchors because somebody asked a good question on it. I kind of think oh, Bradbury yeah. is yeah, who he is. I kind of think Bradbury is who he is at this point, just because he's he's got short arms even for a center. Centers usually have shorter arms. Bradbury's even shorter. So you know when you're up against Linval Joseph, DJ Reader, 
um, just long limb du- dudes. The you know it's like a boxing match. You know the the reach longer guy, the guy the longer reach is going to be able to get his hands on you faster. So um, that puts him at a disadvantage. And the other thing is like his sumo technique against bull rushes is you know he gets a, a very wide base, um, which which allows him you know it puts him kind of at a disadvantage as well. He just sort of sets very wide when he's trying to um, uh, get the right leverage and, and get his hands on guys and, and defend against a bull rush. So I kind of think he's like. A strong player it's like kind of weird because i don't think he's necessarily like weak like he pancaked dj reader on one of the plays earlier um just like torqued him into the ground um which was impressive and so he can um he he's it's but i kind of think like physically he is who he is at this point i don't think he's necessarily going to put on 10 pounds of muscle his, his arms aren't going to get longer so um in terms of helping bradbury you know they just need to avoid situations where they can the, where the defense can scheme the 340 pound nose tackle with with a lot of good power up against Bradbury. So, <laughs> thank you, Dave. I did that because Go I ahead. wanted to slightly disagree with you. Okay. Go oh. for it. Um, let me pop on the camera real I've quick. I've never heard that noise, so I was really wondering what was what going on. What the heck on. it was? Nah, that was me. Um, <laughs> there was one, one of the plays showed when he got forklifted back into Cousins. There's one thing as an offensive line guy, I spotted immediately what was wrong, and our coaches by far should have spotted it and corrected it a long time ago. You're right, he's short. He's got smaller arms. He's powerful, but he's short and he's small. Line play, be it offense or defense, is all about the leverage, right, and keeping your balance. If you take a stick and hold it up and then have push it this way, say you had a two-by-four and you're standing it up on end, and you push it this way, it easily falls over, right? If you put that two-by-four at an angle like this, right, and you embed it in a base, you try to push it over, it's not going anywhere, right? Because it's, it's got the right leverage. Now, the deal on that play where he got forklifted back he came up and he was in the right position. He was locked arm. He was doing the line, the arm play too. And I'll get to that in just a moment. But he did not keep his weight over the balls of his feet. And keeping your weight as a lineman over the balls of your feet, you're that little bit forward and keeps you in that proper leverage position. On top of that, he stopped his feet pumping, right? He stopped it moving. And he got stood up. He got bent backwards, right? I should probably do it the other way because it's backwards. He got bent backwards and then picked up because at this point, he has no strength, right? Because when he got picked up, he has no strength. The problem there is he could have won or at least gotten close to it if he would have kept his feet moving and kept in that wonderful, nice, you know, position where you're leaning forward. You got the weight over your balls or your feet, If he could learn to do that, he will win on more reps than he does now. Then at that point, if you got equal on equal and you're doing in the proper, then it comes down to the hand play. The defender's going to use that to try to get you off balance. It's all about balance, right? And if he gets you about off that balance from that front lean sort of over your, the weight over your feet, balls of your feet, he gets you off that, he can move you. That's what Pierce did. He got the center off balance and just lifted him up like a rag doll. When it comes 
to Bradbury, he's got to keep that position and keep his feet moving. If he does that, he will do better, and he has the ability to do better. But it's going to take somebody coaching him to do that, and he doesn't. And that's my only disagreement. Sorry for interrupting, but it's something I'm Let's, passionate about. No, it's good Let's stuff. Let's fly up here. Good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Dave, I'm going to suggest that you go ahead and do some like offensive line critique and just release that on YouTube every week. Um, we we love <laughs> your funny. insight. We certainly know uh, Vikings fans are hungry for that stuff. We're like probably the most offensive line hungry fan base. <laughs> most people are yeah, like offensive kidding. line boring. Show me the wide receiver. Show me the wide receiver yeah. highlights. And whereas Vikings fans are like, finally a mediocre guard. Only Udo. <laughs> Show me a, a winning rep. <laughs> <laughs> a sixty point two PFF grade. <laughs> it's just something uh, I care about on both sides of the ball. Line play. Yeah. It means so much to me, and I hate seeing bad line play, and it's easy to – well, it's not easy to teach. It's easier to teach than it is to actually correct from the start, but it can be corrected. Um, As we kind of like – I appreciate that, Dave, by the way. I really like that. Uh, Feel free to pound that horn anytime you want and come on in here. Um, I had some other stuff lined up just to kind of implement into Vikings happy hour, thinking it'd be fun. We definitely won't get to them all. So I'm going to leave it up to you guys um, and what we do before we head off to prediction and close out the show. So I have a segment where I give you a headline and you tell me uh, what happened in the game to give us that headline for Monday. We have the over under stuff. I think I gave you guys four different ones. Or we have the buy sell segment. So, are you guys leaning? Man, I think we can. Round? I think we can punch through them all. I think we can. Lightning round. Lightning round. You want to do lightning on. round? Lightning, lightning round. round. We can punch through them all. We just can't explain too much. <laughs> uh, Nick, since you are the guest this week, I will let you. We'll start with the headline game. Ready? I'll let okay, you pick which headline you want to speak to. Ryan will get the other one. So, we wake up Monday morning. Star Tribune. Unlikely hero instrumental in Vikings victory. What happened? I bet it's KJ Osborne. I think they're they're you know with the with the cover one they play. I think I we can see opportunities for Osborne to get open deep to win with his route running for him to get the ball out and win after the catch. So I think it could be Osborne. I like it. I like it, uh, Ryan. You don't Keeping get an as fun around. one. Yes. <laughs> Uh, Ryan, you get the classic Denny Green statement. They are who we thought they were. Uh, it's going to be our offensive line just getting pummeled by Chandler Jones and J.J. Watts. <laughs> I'm sorry to be negative. I don't mean to be negative, but I just hey, that, that's I want... a matchup that's scaring the hell out of me. So, A positive headline and a negative one. So, All right, if we're on lightning round, I feel like, Dave, do we got like music you can pump in here? I feel like we need music in a lightning round. <laughs> um, let's go to over or under. Nick, we'll start with you. Chandler Jones, over or under three sacks this weekend? I'll take the under, not because Jones isn't good enough for it, but just because I think you know they're going to scheme around him and, and take him, find ways to get the ball out quick or to give him help, to give Rashad Hill help. Three's uh, a lot. I'll take. I'll take. I'll take. At Five's three. a lot. I think he's. I think he's at three. Just think, if he starts the season off with eight sacks, like, 
<laughs> he barely has to do anything the rest of the year to just break the record. Which, granted, records are going to be broken anyway with 17 games, but that's a different conversation. Uh, next over-under, Dalvin Cook, 100 yards rushing. Uh, I will take the under just because I feel like, you know, the, with the way the Cardinals play defense, they like to load up the box a little bit, so maybe it'll be more of a game of airing it out when they can. Not to mention, you know, when you're when when the Cardinals are favored to win this game, it means we're probably not going to be like you know grinding riding Delvin to victory because we're up three scores or something. So, yeah, Ryan, I'll go. I'll I'll take the over. I'm going to have faith in Dalvin Cook mainly because I have him in one of my fantasy teams and I need him to do well. But uh, I, I think I think uh, you know they they do have they are susceptible to letting big runs go. So I don't think it's going to be a game where he's you know, 20 yards here, 20 yards here. 20. I think it's going to be like one big one and then a bunch of grinding it out to, to get us to that 100. All right. Kind of like Joe Mixon uh, last week. Yeah, I feel you. Uh, Vikings penalties, Nick, over or under seven? Under. I think it's the number one thing they're focusing on this week in practice. So Zimmer's, Zimmer's not going to let it happen again. Agree. I feel like I made that one too easy. So... Uh, we'll go with the last one on over-under. Total turnovers, two. I am taking the over because I think um, both of these teams are going to go for explosives, and that means you know risky shots downfield. Safeties are able to make plays. Um, so um, throw in maybe some fumbles. Yeah, I'll take the, I'll take the over. Mm. Yeah, Surprise, I guess I'll uh, You know what? No, I'm going to go under. I'm going to say it's going to be one turnover. One turnover. By who? Us. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's let's shift quick to buy sell. We are cruising through this. Uh, and we'll just do one each. So Nick, are you buying or selling KJ Osborne's strong start? I'm buying. I'm hesitantly buying. I, I don't think necessarily he was like matched up against anyone amazing. It was like a lot of zone coverage or or just sort of like they were giving him like releases and he was taking them, but I, I, I liked what I saw with the routes, with the ability after the catch. He made some nice adjustments to ball. Like that fourth down conversion was low in a way and he was able to trap it and catch it. Um, that third and 24 catch, you know, he's like, it was like behind him or maybe it was in front of him, but he had to, you know, full out show, you know, get the arms fully extended to bring that one in. So I, I there's skills there that I think are translatable, repeatable. Uh, it's not just an empty stat sheet. I think he's, he's showing that, He's, you know, the camp hype is real. So I'm buying him. Bye. Ryan, Ryan, are you buying or selling Breland's rough start? Selling. I'm a big Breland fan. I just think it was an off game. Um, not sure what it was, but just an off game. I've watched him enough, both in uh, college and in the NFL, to know that he's a better cornerback than he's. I think he's rated 100 out of 100 right now. He's not the hundredth worth worst quarter uh, cornerback in the league. So I think uh, he'll he'll pick it back up. If it's not this week, it'll be the week after. Uh, Nick, are you buying or selling Michael Pierce's force on the D line? Oh, I'm absolutely buying. I don't think he's. I don't think every game is going to be as good as, as as it was last week. But like, the dude is. I think the dude might honestly be the strongest guy in the NFL. So, I, I mean, he can like squat like 800 pounds or something like insane, like Olympic lifter numbers. So, Workouts were um, insane this offseason. That, that's 
that that translates. So, yeah, I'm buying. <laughs> I want both of your opinions on this last one. Uh, are you buying or selling Garrett Bradbury's struggles? If Luke Braun were on here right now, I know he I know he'd sell. He he's a firm believer in Garrett Bradbury. I um I've been buying this stock um since probably mid midway through his rookie year and and then I like tripled my investment after that second year and I'm I'm not selling I this stock. it's I'm I'm buying every dip I possibly can cuz I am so done with him. I'm ready for Wyatt Davis experiment at center. <laughs> uh, I I'm selling. I think um you know, I think he. There, everybody got mad at Cleveland at, or at Bradbury after the game, but I think Hill was like several tiers worse, and I think Cleveland was probably worse as well. Um, I don't mm-hmm. know. I just can't quit the highlight. Like there were two screen blocks that were like, like man, like he's just so quick. He'll just like bulldoze guys on the move. Um, his reach blocks are insane, and I know he struggles when he's one on one against the center, and he'll get he'll get pushed back, he'll get moved, but like. It's not like an immediate quick loss. It's like he'll still give Kirk like two and a half seconds to get the ball out. Maybe it'll muddy the pocket. It makes things tough. But like, I think you can live with that. Um, I don't know. At this point, I'm not saying like give him an extension exercise as fifth year option. But I'm willing to I'm willing to wait and be patient and say it was one game. Let's see if he can bounce back. That that was an impressive lightning round, you guys. Um, so patient stuff. Yeah. I, Hell, maybe maybe that's what it is every week. Maybe we keep it all. We just do a lightning round. Dave, we need to work on music coming in, though. I think that sounds way better. Um, so to close out the show here, uh, Dave, you can come on out if you're there behind the desk. But let's do predictions. We did it last last week with Tanishka. Did not work very well for us. Uh, I got to tell you, especially for me, I was the I was the full blown homer. I was thirty one ten, and oof, we were far from that. But uh, I'll start again this week, and maybe maybe I'm just naive. Maybe I'm too much of a homer, uh, but I do think the Vikings somehow churn out a way to win this weekend. Um, I don't believe in the Cardinals. I think the Titans may have sucked more than the Cardinals were good last week, um, and I think that the Vikings and Zimmer uh, can overcome this rough start. I have the Vikings winning a low battle, this week, seventeen ten. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Nick, what do you think? This <laughs> you know, I feel like I've been on, on a little bit of a doomer streak, so I'm, I'll spin it positive. I think the Vikings find a way to win. I think um, you know, last week the Titans weren't really able to find the time to to, to get the ball out to AJ Brown or or Julio or um, you know their wide receivers. So Julio, so. I, I think the Vikings find a way to test those corners. I think Dalvin gets some big plays. I think Kyler's going to get us, you know, they're going to have some some deep shots downfield to those speedy receivers to DeAndre Hopkins. But I also think it'll go both ways. I think there's going to be sacks with, with Kyler holding onto the ball too long. I think there's going to be maybe a fumble exchange on a, on a zone read or something. I can see things going wrong for the Cardinals as well. I don't think they're quite as good as their blowout win last week against the Titans suggested. So I do think Zimmer's going to find a way to, to not start out the season 0-2 because the team is too good uh, to look like it's it's headed towards disaster, I think. Ryan, are you going with the OU boy or are you sticking with your hometown where, team? Where What was the score, Nick? Did you get one? Uh, I'll say 24-20. Ooh, nice close, close game. 
to hang on. Yeah, I mean, Stay I, travels, don't, Raymond. I don't. Yes, travel safe. Enjoy the game, man. I, I wish I was there with you. Um, I don't want to be the negative Nancy, but. Well, you already slayed I after, man. We can't have all three of us I, say we're going to win. I just, don't, I just don't see us winning this game. Um, <laughs> I, I think, Kai, I, again, we always struggle against, uh, you know, scrambling quarterbacks. And I, I think Kyler's, if he's not the best one, he's the second best one in the league right now. So, um, and and I, I just can't see us overcoming just that fact alone. And then on top of just our offensive line play, um, and, and our cornerback play. So, um, I'm going to say 31, 21, but I think it's going to be close. It's going to be a one score game. They're going to ice us at the end for that extra three points to just put us out of our misery, um, before we have a chance to, to tie it up. But I think it's a close game. Dave, what side are you going to be on? I want to see the... The bounce back, the karma, the us against the world, because you know Mike Zimmer's preaching that this week, that they don't believe in us. Not even our fans are believing in us after this last weekend. We can go down there and stomp on some Redbirds. Now, will that happen? (laughs) Possibly, maybe. If everything goes right, uh, if it doesn't go right, oh my God, are we going to hear about it? Starting on the final score right after the game, all the way through the week, all across, climbing the pocket and every Vikings outlet out there, obviously, if they lose. So, Let's say the Vikings do come out, prove it. I'll show a 21-17 victory. Vikings. Hey, let's go. Ryan's the hater in here. <laughs> Somebody had Yeah, it. yeah, Sorry, yeah. <laughs> but with well, that. I mean, I, I think that covers it, yeah. Yeah, I was looking back at the old scores from last week. They are all trash. Yeah, we don't need to look at that. We don't so, <laughs> tomorrow night, the great and wonderful Flip Mozzie will be flying again due to work, unfortunately. However, that doesn't mean Viking hot takes will be taking the night off. Of course it won't. Eric is moving again back to the left side of the screen, and he's got a special guest. Ryan, do we know who that special guest is? Mr. Negative himself. (laughs) That's right. right? (laughs) Ryan's going to be joining Eric on Viking Hot Takes tomorrow, and obviously with his negativism and his wild views, this should be interesting. But it's all in 20 minutes, the fastest 20 minutes on TV. It comes on at halftime. It's one of the reasons we keep it short. So tomorrow night, as soon as halftime kicks off and you see that first commercial, switch over to YouTube and watch Vikings Hot Take. And then after that, we'll have myself and Darren, 
who's finally back up in Yellowknife for two old bloggers to give you your final pregame of the weekend on Saturday. And then we have the game on Sunday. What do we say, guys? Skull! Skull Vikes. Skull! <laughs> Thank you for watching or listening. As always, if you like, subscribe, and ring the bell for notifications. And if you're listening to the podcast, please rate us on your favorite aggregator. Skull, everybody. Oh, no, no.